Before we get into the message this morning, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that we have an opportunity to come and minister the word. Lord, I pray that it's, it's seared into our hearts. Lord, I pray that it doesn't leave us quickly. My prayer is that even as we engage in the chaos and the fun of this season, Lord, we would remember and be moved by your message. We thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. A few years ago, I talked, uh, let's see, we've, we've, we've focused on Joseph, we focused on Mary, and now we're focusing on the messengers of God, or the, the Magi. How many know the Magi? You've seen the nativity scene, right? And the th- we three kings, if you remember that, that's always interesting. I often wonder, when we look at the nativity scene, when we look at the Christmas carols, when we do all these things, do we really think about them? Or, as believers, when we look at Christmas, have we become numb to what it means? You say, Pastor David, it's the day after Christmas. Are you going to preach on Christmas? Yeah, I am. Because I can. It's fantastic. I, I love to think about Christmas carols. I, love, I was even still singing them this morning. My wife is like, oh, please stop. How many know when you think about Christmas carols, a lot of times we just go, okay, this is just the song. This is just what we hear on the radio. It's nice. It's, it's each time during this year. But do you think about what you're singing? Oh, come let us adore Him. Oh, come let us adore Him. Oh, come let us adore Him. Christ the Lord. When we sing, oh, come let us adore Him, you guys know the song, right? Sing it together. Oh, come let us adore Him. Oh, come let us It's the reason we celebrate this morning, right? It's the reason we worship Him. When we sing the words of that Christmas carol, we need to remember who He is in our lives and what He will do in our future. It's why we sing, Oh, come, let us adore Him, because we love Him, we adore Him. This morning, I promise you, I do not have a long message. Uh, I honestly, it's, it is about five pages. But, um, so I'm praying that I can move through it quickly, because I do understand you may have family obligations and parties and things to go to, and so we don't want to hold you, but we want to be led by a Spirit, amen? And so, hey, how many, glad, how many if we're led by the Spirit and we're here till 5 o'clock tonight, how many know that's a good thing? <laughs> Everyone's like, yeah. Oh, this morning, I don't want to just share another Christmas perspective and go on our merry way, right? Uh, I want us to understand together that this babe lying in a manger is worthy of our worship and our honor. He's not just the reason we celebrate now. He's the reason I can rise up from my sin and put on righteousness. The sacrifice of Jesus is the reason we can rise up from our circumstances and put on glory. He's the reason there's joy in the morning. Amen? His name is above all names. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. He's the beginning. He's the end. He is Christ. He is Messiah. He is the essence of holiness. He's a refuge for the weary. He's an anchor for the broken. His goodness and mercy have filled with all consuming power and glory. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords this morning. He does not compare to anything this world may offer. And He willingly laid down His life 
in order that we may live. I always say this, and you probably heard it too often, but God didn't come, Jesus didn't come to make bad men good. And a lot of times we think, well, yeah, he makes us good, and that's the point. He didn't come to make us good. He came to make dead people live in Jesus' name. When we go from, from faith in ourselves to faith in Christ, we're going from death to life. So we're not just going from bad to good. That comes over time. That comes as you're sanctified and made holy. But I'm telling you, you go from death to life in your spirit. He willingly laid down His life so that we may live. It's not just a story this morning. It's not just a Christmas carol. It's not just a season. It is a testament of His mercy. We spoke on Friday night, on Christmas Eve, not just about His holiness, but His goodness. I want to take you this morning not through the Christmas story, because we've, how many, I, I, <laughs> before we open presents at my house, uh, with the kids open presents, we read the Christmas story. How many do that? If you don't do it, it's a good thing to do. It's good practice. to open the, Before you open up presents, you read about the present of Christ to us. Amen? And so that's what we do with the kids. And I had the kids read the Christmas story as well, or parts of it. And how many know that being a pastor's kid or being a kid in church, Sometimes you hear the Christmas story like 10 times before Christmas. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. It's good to, good to recognize it. But I don't want to focus on the Christmas story this morning. Instead, I want to focus what happened after his birth. Say after. A lot of us know what happened before, but then there's what happened after. There's great importance in knowing and remembering how he came to us. That's always good. But the lesson this morning comes from what happened one or two years later. You see, when you look at that nativity scene, uh, I probably, actually, boy, you know what's funny? You can't see it. Uh, go to the next slide. No, you can't see it. Okay, so you see the nativity scene here, and you see the three wise guys, right? The three wise men. We call them three wise guys. It's kind of funny. Whenever we look at that, we see who was at his birth, right? We see, the, we see the shepherds, we see Joseph, Mary, we see baby Jesus, and we see the three wise guys who are sitting there, standing there with their gifts of, what are their gifts? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, the reason that this is confusing is because the three wise men, they weren't there at all. Not at all. You say, well, Pastor David, wait a minute. I mean, this is in every nativity scene, in every every uh, cutesy little Rhonda. What are those things that you have? The 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 oh man, I'm trying to remember the the little figurines. Precious me precious memories is that what it's called? Precious moments. What's precious memories? Is it a song? I don't know. I think it has to do with death or something. Anyway, the, the precious memories. But precious moments as the, the little figurines, the nativity scene has the three wise men. We all grew up seeing that. So naturally, a lot of people would say, well, yeah, at Jesus' birth, the three wise men were there. In fact, scholars tell us that they won't show up until one, roughly one to two years after the birth of Christ. The wise men, the wise guys are what we call the magi or what's known as the Magi. And we find their journey in the book of Matthew. We're going to start in chapter 2. We're going to start at verse, uh, verse 1. It says 2, but that's just the chapter. So, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, 
Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So this is the Magi. Tradition tells us that there's three of them. There could have been more than three there. But three is what we remember. Some would say three only because there's three gifts. The gold, the frankincense, the myrrh. Whatever their number, three stood out, right? According to scholars, it's kind of interesting, the three that we refer to as the wise men were named Melchior, say Melchior, Caspar, and Balthazar. You don't have to say that if you don't want to. They weren't kings in any sense, but they were scholars and they were astronomers. Now, don't get this confused with astrologers. How many know what an astrology is? That's the horoscopes and the occult. That's witchcraft. You should stay away from that. Uh, people say, well, it's just fun. <sighs> stay away from it. Amen. <laughs> don't, let your, you, don't let your life be guided by star charts. Amen. Let it be led by the Holy Spirit in your life. Amen. So these were not astrologers, but they were astronomers, which means they studied the sky. They're studying the sky, and when they study the sky, they see a star. The star that we know is the star of Bethlehem. They understood it to have great importance, and they recognized it as the indicator that the Messiah has arrived. And so in seeing this, they traveled to Jerusalem to let them know what they knew. They studied the stars and they studied the sky and they've seen this star and it means something. It means the Messiah has come. So they, they go to Jerusalem to tell everybody the Messiah has come. They came from such a distance for one reason. And it was to worship Him. It was to announce Him. The lesson we need to recognize this morning is this. When they recognized who had come, they didn't check their day planners. They didn't see if it would fit in their schedule. It's likely they didn't check the internet to see what teams were playing football that day. Come on. They didn't check their kids' sports schedule to see if it, if it, if it messed with you know, what they needed to do sports-wise. It's, likely, it's not likely they waited because it was an inconvenient time for them. When they saw it, when they recognized the Messiah had come, they made their way as quickly as they could to share the good news. Right, Grace? Amen. I am distracted by cute kids today. When they recognized their Messiah had come, they made their way as quickly as they could. As quickly as they could. And you, you understand this. Why? Because when something happens good in your life, when something happens tremendous in your life, you get a new job, you meet a girl for the first time, and you go, man, that's my wife. Or you meet a guy, and you go, that's going to be my husband. When you get excited, yeah, Elijah, it's going to happen someday for you, buddy. Don't worry about it. He just gave me a look like that's never going to happen. Yeah, right. You meet someone on the internet, that just, just no, fine. No. <laughs> but honestly, when you get excited about something, you want to tell people, right? When you get a, how many got a good gift for Christmas? I mean, like something really outstanding. Jeff, what did you get? You, he got a stool to sit on. Praise the Lord. And he's so excited about it that he, rose his hand, he raised his hand. He wanted to tell. How many got, anybody get something really that you're just excited about? Something really good this year? Bobby.
Wow. Here's the thing. I'm actually excited for you. <laughs> a stuffed waffle maker, man. I don't know, Rhonda, we're going to have to come to your house for breakfast sometime. <laughs> stuffed waffles, man. Go off my diet. It'll be fine. When we get some good news, we want to share it. We recognize that. When, when, when this is not just good news, but this is fantastic news. This is unbelievable news. The Messiah has come. And these guys, they don't check anything. They drop what they're doing and they go. They get there. But when they shared the news, the reception is not what they're expecting. Verse 3 says this. When King Herod heard that this was, heard this, he was disturbed. Say disturbed. And all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all of the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. Verse 5 says, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. So they go back to the prophets and they say, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So the news to this Herod is not good. In fact, not only was he disturbed, all of Jerusalem is disturbed. Why would all of Jerusalem be disturbed? Because King Herod was a nasty dude. If he's angry, watch out. How many of you know someone like that? If they're angry, watch out. Right? You don't want to be in the way of people who are angry. Right, Carol? Praise the Lord. <laughs> you don't. You <laughs> Carol had her head down the whole time. Like, don't look at me. He had no sooner come to the throne, listen to this, than he began annihilating the Sanhedrin. It says he slaughtered 300 court officers. He murdered his wife. His, he murdered his mother. He murdered his eldest son. He murdered his other two sons. This was a nasty guy. He was vicious. He was cutthroat. He was a murderer. One reason given why Jerusalem was so disturbed was the fear over how was Herod going to respond to this news. One commentary said this, Jerusalem rightly feared what sort of paranoid outburst might come from the Herod upon, upon hearing of a rival king being born. So Herod hears from the scholars in Jerusalem, and then he addresses the Magi. Verse 7 says, Then Herod called the Magi secretly, and he found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. So now this is after the birth of Christ. The birth of Christ has come. Now he is sending them on a mission. Go and search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find him, report back to me so that I too, here's the lie, may go and worship him. My voice cracked there a little bit. I don't know what happened. Said me too. Praise the Lord. Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that it may be, I'm, I too may go and worship him. Now, of course, we know that that is not the intention that Herod has. It becomes clear that Herod has no intention of worshiping the Christ child, but the Magi don't know that yet, so they set off to Bethlehem. After they had heard the king, they went their way. Verse 9. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them. Now, this is something that's, this itself is a miracle. The star is going on ahead of them. It's pointing them where to go until it stopped over the place where the child was. Now, 
the child at this time is not a babe lying in a manger, likely one or two years old, probably running around, probably, how, how old is uh, Anastasia? Two, about that age, right? Running around, grabbing tablecloths, ripping into her brother, doing whatever she needs to do, amen? When they saw, when they saw the star stop, they were overjoyed. I want you to think about this cosmic miracle that happened here. The star leads them. It leads them towards the Savior. When they see this direction, they're overjoyed. They're filled with joy. Amen? When they're filled with joy, I don't know about you, but I love it when God provides direction in my life. How many are glad that when God provides direction, you follow that direction? Amen? When I'm following in His will and not my own will and not my own stars, I find myself in His favor and in His goodness. It overjoys me. It overwhelms me that even in my imperfect walk with him, he still shows his goodness in leading me. The Magi were overjoyed. Verse 11a, we're just going to start at the start of verse 11. It says this, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. They bowed down and they worshipped him. We should note, of course, we just said not a babe. They didn't come to a manger. They came to a house. Mary and Joseph are back home at this point. Joseph seems to be away for the moment, but when they come, Mary is there with Jesus. He's a young child, and when they saw him, they bow down and they worship him. Let me say that again. When they encountered Jesus, when they saw the Savior, they bowed down and they worshiped him. I want this church to have the heart of the Magi. I want us as believers to have the heart of the Magi. Why? Because when we encounter God, we are to bow down and worship Him. Right, Steve? David Guzik says in his commentary this, we see here three different responses to Jesus. One may say that all people respond to Jesus in one of these three ways. If you're Herod, you display an open hatred towards him. Hostility towards Jesus. I don't want anything to do with him. Or, I hate him. I've heard people say that. I think, how in the world can you hate good? It's because they're filled with evil. That was what Herod was filled with. Evil. So there's some people that have an open hatred towards God. Number two, the chief priests and the scribes. They didn't have hatred for him. They were just indifferent. All the while, they, they, they maintained their religious respectability, but they didn't really encounter Jesus. They may have met Him. They may have heard about Him. They may have seen Him do miracles. They may have seen Him speak to people, but they were indifferent towards Him. How many times do we have people that come through the building and come into the church or, or hear someone preach or hear someone speak, and they're just indifferent towards Him? Number three, the third way, the wise men, they sought out Jesus and they worshiped him, even at great cost. We have some people who hate the Lord. We have some people who are indifferent towards the Lord. And then we have some people who worship the Lord, even at great cost. As we get into this next year, as we get into 2022, I believe we're going to have to examine the cost. We're going to need to 
examine our souls and examine our hearts and find out just how committed we are to our faith and to Christ and to Christianity. I believe the culture is pushing us more and more towards that final drawing a line in the sand. What is in your heart this morning? What's your response to Jesus this morning? Here's a better question. What's your response to Jesus after the celebrations are done? After the parties and after the presents, what's uh, your response to Jesus then? I know many people in this church have the heart of the Magi this morning. They will bow down. They will, they'll worship Him even at great cost. But where is your heart? We can only ask that between ourselves and God. We can only say, Lord, examine me, search me, know me. You may have pain in your life. That pain may have pushed you away from Christ. Maybe you're only here this morning because it's tradition. You're here with family. You want to come and spend Christmas time together. Maybe you don't have an open hatred of God, but you have indifference towards Him. Your life is so filled with everything other than Christ that you just don't care. My heart breaks for those who encounter divine goodness but can't see beyond their own selfishness. I want to urge you this morning, we have a few minutes together, to try and look beyond yourself and toward the incredible gift that God has given us so many years ago. That when you seek Him, you will find Him just like the Magi. And when you really see Him, you will worship Him. You will encounter Him. You will fall down. You will give Him glory. You see, the Magi knew how important the Messiah was. They didn't just give lip service. They didn't just... Listen, they, they got down. They bowed their heads. They worshipped Him. They gave what was precious to them. That's something we need to understand in the body. They didn't just worship Him. They gave what was precious to them. How do we know? They gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Right? Verse 11b says, Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, many of you have heard this before. You'll probably hear it again. The significance of those gifts. Gold, always precious. How many know gold is precious, right? How many have ever seen the show Gold Rush? They're not going for something that's not worth anything. They're going for something that's precious. They took their means, they took their livelihood, and they gave it to the Savior. It's an interesting thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about how much money you give to the ministry. I'm not talking about how much money you give to the church. But how willing are you to invest your life? Amen? We don't just want to say, Lord, you know, hey, I said a little prayer and now I'm saved, right? We want to invest our lives. The Bible calls us to lay our lives down, Tim. So we want to invest our lives this morning. The frankincense is interesting. It was used during prayer. It was significant in that Jesus was worthy of their worship and He's worthy of ours. The last gift is called myrrh. And this is a strange one. Even then, myrrh was used in funerals. Myrrh was used in funerals. It was used to embalm And we know, of course, it signifies the suffering that this child would later endure at the cross. I don't know if the Magi knew the significance at the time. I don't know if they did. But we know it now, right? 
we know that the babe lying in a manger will soon become a man that's laying on a cross. He sacrifices himself because it's what God requires for your sins and for mine. So after this encounter with Christ, God gave the Magi a warning in a dream. He says, don't go back to Herod. Verse 12 tells us they go home. It says, uh, they having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they return to the country by another route. They were changed by their encounter. Tradition tells us this, that they later became Christians and died as martyrs for the sake of the gospel. They understood they weren't just bringing gifts to a child, that they had come and they encountered God. If you would stand with me this morning. If you would, close your eyes, bow your heads. Lord, I pray that this season is filled with joy and celebration. But Lord, I pray also that this season is filled with worship. Lord, I pray that this season's worship takes us continually throughout the year. Lord, I ask that You would remind us of the lesson we can take from the Magi. That when we encounter You, we bow down in worship. Lord, I pray over those who are here this morning. Lord, I pray that You would bless them and I pray that You would keep them. Lord, I pray that You would cause Your face to shine down upon them. Lord, I pray that You would give them rest as they celebrate Your birth with their families and loved ones. In Jesus' name, Amen.